It's the 23rd of November. Welcome to the Soccer in Theory podcast with Mark J. I'm Ashwin Bajaj and to- together we'll be discussing the events coming out of the World Cup and look towards the week ahead. You can follow us on the Soccer in Theory podcast, available both on Apple and Spotify and also on our website, soccerintheory.com. Well, we're in day four. Um, we just finished with day four of the World Cup. And group, we've had matches to Group F. Tomorrow, Brazil and Portugal start off their campaigns, but we've already got a lot of matches which are, well, worthy of discussion to say the least, and um, many upsets which none of us, at least on this podcast, predicted. (laughs) (laughs) Though, to our credit, no one else did either. At least we were open to the fact that there may be some upsets. I mean, <laughs> the ones that I had in mind. Mark, what's the... Well, actually, let's just um, maybe begin with right in the beginning. The first, the first. Because, you know, um, I know that's not the most interesting match. But were you a little surprised by how poor Qatar were? <laughs> you expected a bit of nationalism to... Yeah. Ignite something. <laughs> I mean, the, because, only because if if we look at the last six or seven editions, I mean, after '94, which was played in the U.S. and um, mm-hmm. they were obviously a catastrophe. But every other team after that, <laughs> barring South Africa in 2010, who to their credit did beat France in the last game, even though it was a dead right. rubber, and it was the French national team which was which had shot themselves and everyone else um, uh, with them. They did beat them 2-0. So, and South Africa was nowhere on, on the football scene uh, back then and even now. So you have had good performances. Um, South Korea and Japan, I know there was a lot of help from the referees, but still they managed something. Germany was, wasn't in a good place. In 2006, they managed to reach the semis. I think they even won third place, right? They even got third place yes. in 2006, I can't recall. But in 2014, well... It wasn't a great Brazil team, and, and they obviously got thrashed. But Brazil, I mean, it's a, a different matter altogether. But Russia did well last time. And Qatar, they are the Asian champions. So I was expecting a little more, especially since Ecuador hasn't really jumped out over the last three or four years, even though they qualified. Ecuador, Ecuador is a very tepid, tepid team. You would expect... <laughs> I mean, if Qatar can't make a showing versus Ecuador and you don't know who they're going to be able to make a showing against. I mean, Ecuador, from what I saw, dispatched of them very early and then yeah. were able to go into second or third gear. And that's pretty bad showing for <laughs> the home team. <laughs> you know, what, what surprised me is not that Ecuador won. I mean, I think they are. there is a definite gap in talent and quality, but I was texting my friends from back home and I said that it's strange. They don't look like they're a coach team. Forget about playing. And it just looked like, you know, when some of (laughs) us, you know, play pickup or something, you know, you can see, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's, and um, that was a bit surprising for an international team, which hasn't done badly, at least within Asia over the last three or four years. Um, Anyway, that, that's that. What, what is the, what is the match that you... I know that there's one match that both of us are itching to discuss, but <laughs> which one really, Which one is the one that, that's on your mind right now? 
on my mind. Several matches are on my mind. I mean, if we're going in somewhat chronological order, yeah, let's um, do that. England, England, Iran was really, really interesting because um, both, I mean, on the political level, Iran, you know, they didn't, um, you see the players didn't want to sing the yeah, anthem. National anthem. Yeah. And uh, so that gave an overtone right away and all these European we made, we made such a hoopla last time about this armband and then like i mean i haven't been reading too much but my understanding is that fifa just sanctioned them or threatened them with giving the captain a yellow card at kickoff and that was enough <laughs> i mean maybe certain things happen behind closed doors but that's you know pretty pretty tepid it, i mean it kind of just confirms everything we were, we were talking about where it's, it's it's a bit of a but I, I thought that was, I mean, if just going back, continuing with what we were discussing last time, I think that that was a pretty strong, I mean, that that's an impressive statement. The country, the Iranian national team, not oh, yeah. singing their, I mean, it's much easier for players from the West to do it because. Right, you know, absolutely. So that was, I mean, that that's a pretty strong statement, which. I mean, can bite each of them. They don't have the reputations which, you know, I mean, which which teams, which players from the West have and the protections in a lot of ways. So that that was pretty extraordinary. It was really interesting. And then, yeah, absolutely. It's a genuine act of bravery. Right. Um, right. It's interesting when they, um, when they all decide to do it. You know, I'm, I'm wondering um, if that was a unanimous thing or if some of them were kind of coerced by the group. Because, like you're saying, it's a very risky um, thing to do. And then um, I was listening to someone else talk about how that might have contributed to Iran's, you know, um, say overwhelmed performance. I mean, they 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 they, they look bad, and, and they're not a bad team. Right. Um, England are are England would you know beat them typically at their best, but it shouldn't have been so yeah. easy based on recent Fresh performances. Thing. But so maybe the psychological phenomena of them wondering, Jesus, what are we? What have we just gotten into um, with this? Uh, I mean, the comparison is is to move through the political quickly. I mean, the comparison. We don't know what happened. Also, we don't need to make ourselves out to be any kind of political heroes. But to right. make such a hoopla about this armband, and then you have your opponents who are actually doing something, which is getting you know straight to the to the top of their government and going to send reverberations through their society versus Harry Kane will get a yellow card at kickoff. (laughs) Can't you find some way around that? Can't you just put in someone else? Can't you name someone else as captain and then sub them out? You already have five substitutes. Mm -hmm. Um, Just just something like this. And and I was talking to my dad about it. He was saying, well, if you want to make a statement, then getting a yellow card right at the beginning will, you know, reverberate your statement much more than, uh, a rainbow armband, you know, that will, um, why is this person getting a yellow card? You know, it immediately um, right. amplifies your message. Anyway, the football is what interested me the most about the game because, um, oh, well, just one more point about this because, you know, the, the, the thing is with the political element to it, it's, it's the intertwined nature of, of, of let's say, capital is what's interesting to me so far about the coverage because I was listening to this TIFO podcast, which is something Ryan put me onto at the athletic. And I like them, you know, but they're making kind of a very self-serious presentation about the politics and 
should we be watching the World Cup? Should we be in, in, in this sort of thing really paying homage to this kind of um, um, political um, injustices that are kind of underpinning the game? And then it cuts to commercial. You know, the, the podcast is large enough where they're, they're getting sponsored. And it's Emirates who's sponsoring the podcast. And I'm like, is anyone going to comment on this? I mean, this is like... Wow. <laughs> it's, it just seemed... The fact that no one commented on it, at least while I was listening, I was just like, what is it? What am I listening to here? Anyway, England came out, you know, basically it wasn't the Southgate that we were afraid of and that we were really criticizing mm-hmm. um, when you and I were both hoping that Iran was going to thrash them just because I thought right. they'd come out with stuff in the back and this, but they really were on the front foot and they really looked good. Um, that was the first thing. Really happy for Saka to get, to get into the team. Right. It's really it's interesting that Foden and Grealish and City's two the big big number tens can't can't even get in get into the team just just on form. Um, I thought they looked great, but that was the first thing that jumped out to me. Um, I don't know if you saw that match, but they were they were flying, man. They were absolutely yeah. flying. Southgate seemed to let them off the leash. She didn't um, do in the entire. Uh, the entire tournament so that that was the game that that, um that jumped out to me uh immediately um and then i guess the the second i saw all three matches that day um the the usa wells disappointed with usa conceding at the end i can't say i'm disappointed because i can't say i (laughs) it was interesting to ask ram because i remember we would actively kind of root against them growing up not even trying to be alternative or anything like this and 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 this team isn't that off-putting it's just it's hard to really get my patriotic here you know the cultural phenomenon of of soccer in the u.s is very interesting because it was very um it it was not a mainstream sport growing up and it wasn't like we were cool for it wasn't like a cool alternative sport either it was very much just (laughs) why why are these guys using their feet over here you know just pick it up and um (laughs) <laughs> and so now that it's kind of entering into the into the mainstream without that much of like a cultural tradition behind it it's just kind of um, there's not it's hard to really identify with um i don't know if that's just snobbery or what it is but i, I don't know if like the intellectual fans in britain identify with like the hooligans that they pan to in the crowd but it's hard for me to identify with them. <laughs> but tell me, Mark, Mark, just just on that note, like you're saying that, and and I I completely understand that, and you're right, it's a relatively new sport. How is the women's national team as popular and as it is? I mean, there seems such a difference, right? They do inspire much broader sentiment. Um, is yeah, it only because an they're point. victory? Or, I mean, they are very successful, obviously, unlike the men's team but what, what what do you feel is because that's always surprised me a little one team is completely marginal i mean now i know they have a better team but the other team is whatever they must have won i think they've won the most number of world cups the women's team and yeah. they are they yeah, and they... a broad base i mean of fans in this country yeah it's a, actually it's an interesting point I, i'm not sure i have um Okay. Too much interesting to say about it, but I remember myself being caught up in in the in the phenomena with Mia Hamm and all of them back in I guess the mid two thousand. Right, Mia Hamm. Right, exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, just soccer. Women's soccer was perhaps even more 
if you ask the average American at that time to name, uh, you know, a soccer player, they might be able to name more women than men. Right. It, it was a strange. It was. I mean, I remember going into even as recently as like a few years ago. I, I was living in in Brooklyn and just trying to go into a pub and asking them to turn on Premier League match. Um, if it wasn't a specific pub that was so soccer match, like the guy next to me was like, "What are you fucking kidding me? Like you're gonna put this on?" And he was making all types of like homophobic. And he wasn't that. He was. He was. A, he was a nice person too. It wasn't like. Right. It, it was just this is very this is the culture. Like, I was like, okay, man. Like I'll just. Like, <laughs> so it's I, I don't know, man. It's it's an odd thing. But the thing is, the U.S. is um a genuine team. I mean, they they looked. Yeah, they looked, they looked good. pretty good. Yeah. Um, if you saw, they're good. They have you know all three. I mean, their central midfielders are playing. You know, La Liga, Serie A. In the yeah. Premier League, um, and <laughs> you know they have Pulisic, um, who's trying way too hard in the number ten role. I felt, and um, you know they're a decent team. They pressed, you know, talk about pressing. They pressed high the entire match. They're just much more athletic, which I thought was, you know, it's one thing that American sport typically has you know, an advantage over other countries is the athleticism, and um, I feel like. The U.S. is really using that to their advantage, just being very aggressive, playing on the front foot, and they absolutely flummoxed Wales in the, in the first half. Wales, like, very mediocre, which they are, but um, yeah. it, it could have been worse. Um, very typical, you know. Very, I wasn't surprised. I was even a little bit amused because even Ryan identified they have the U.S. has all these top-ish players. Not they're not a top team, but the U.S. is very solidly. Whatever they are, I think that they are about what their rank indicates. Eighteenth, twentieth best team in the world, middle of the middle of the road World Cup team, which is a huge accomplishment. But the one player, I'm blanking on his name, but the the, the center back, um, who's not, you know, is not a thing in one of Europe's leagues, just insane challenge, unnecessary, through the back of the of the Welsh striker. It was a ridiculous challenge. Like there was no threat. The guy has his back to goal. There's there's no there's not a movement developing and um, really really disappointing point because you go from you go from looking strong that uh, not to to um, looking like you have to get a, a result against England or, or the tournament's basically over. <laughs> England's probably the last team in the world uh, anyone wants to be playing at the moment. Well, to be fair, yeah, if they yeah. if they manage a draw against England, I mean, I'm still, by the way, very, very. I mean, uh, I don't know which, like England versus USA, which is on Friday, terrible game. You don't want <laughs> either of them to win, <laughs> but um, some kind of disqualification scenario, <laughs> right? Something where they kicked out of the World Cup, both of them, you know, <laughs> or maybe wearing those bands. I don't care. Just they to... all wear the bands. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but. <laughs> if they manage a draw against England, which is not impossible, I mean, it's. I mean, we we you you just said how good England looked, but it was against an Iranian team, which is good. But who knows how much? Um, you know, who knows if they actually put in their best best performance that day? And um, uh, it's possible that you know England sort of had an easier run than they might have, and. 
I do remember, I think it was in 2010 when England, and I mean, there's a long time ago, and I don't think any of the players are the same, but they did, I think they they managed a, a draw, England-USA. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not impossible to believe that they can get a draw. And then if they beat Iran, they probably will be through. I mean, unless Wales manages something. I'm pretty sure England will roll over Wales. I mean, well, Right, you'd think so. I mean, Wales did not look like... Uh... Yeah. Even Bale is fairly anonymous. Um, right. What he did do is dispatch the penalty, which um, we're seeing. Um, you know, many players are having difficulty with. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lewandowski, to name uh, <laughs> to name a very prominent one. Right, and um, even. But well, I'll, we can talk about that much later. <laughs> I, I know you have. <laughs> you have no, a, no. Series of. <laughs> um, anyway, it, but. It, it, it is. I'm watching. I'm watching. Uh, how are you watching? Are you watching live? What are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm watching live mostly. Yeah. Are you streaming? No, this time I'm depending on those seven day trials. I didn't want to buy the whole thing because <laughs> I'm leaving for <laughs> India in you know uh, midway. So what's the point of buying the whole thing when I'm going to watch yeah. most of it there? But no, I, I have. I, I can see how much of an improvement it is. Which is what's yeah. also making me a little. <laughs> I'm a little worried that once this World Cup's over, I would have gotten used to actually exactly, watching. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Yep, the seven day trial. I'm watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just got completely messed up on a six month. Six month. Um, I was I joined a boxing gym in Pittsburgh, and it was a six month. Um, thing and then in the fine print of the contract, it's if you don't cancel um, with more than one month notice, we automatically renew your six month trial. So mm-hmm. with about twenty eight days, I, I emailed the person, hey, I, you know, I just thanks for everything. I don't want to continue. And they sent me he all he did was send me a photo of the fine print. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is just <laughs> well, <and> brutal. <laughs> you're going to be healthy anyway, for another six months at least. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, should we, I, I, I would like to say a word about um, the Cameroon. I mean, I'm uh, sorry, Cameroon's coming uh, mean, about uh, the Netherlands versus. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, I had some thoughts about that. By the way, the USA Wales last thing is, I had to stop watching because I had to go to the picket, and um, I, and I said, "Oh my God, they're going to win this," you know, <laughs> and then I was very happy <laughs> to see that it was a penalty, yeah, yeah. and like you said. A very amateur penalty that was given away, right? Like it's it's. But is your is your aversion is your aversion to the U.S. What is your aversion? Political, cultural, aesthetic, everything. I mean, and also that you don't want. This is the one sport that is not, you know, a U.S. Right, right, sport. And right. as soon as it starts becoming that, you already are here. First of all a lot of the clubs now in England are being bought up by the U.S. And this is not right. even a new phenomenon. It's now 20 right. years old. And the first place that, you know, when Liverpool is supposedly on sale, United has now come out on that they're on sale. The first thing is it's a U.S. conglomerate, right? I mean, right. it's more of an exception if an Arab state or something buys you or if some Russian billionaire. It's, it's yeah. in most of the time you're looking towards the U.S. Um, investors. Second thing is Barcelona and Real Madrid for at least the last seven or eight years, I've been hearing how they're trying to tap the U.S. market, even 
Wouch playing one of the classicals in the US. So it's shifting oh, west. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, yeah, this, I mean, that, the only reason why it hasn't happened is, I guess, it's not, you know, schedules, etc. such where they're playing every three days, it might be a little more complicated, but they are trying to find ways to tap the US market. I mean, it's not like it's just a matter of how they want right. to do that. Even the summer cup that's now held, it's called the International Club Championship or something, the the friendlies yeah. that they play. Now that, that's become over the last right. seven or five or six years, I don't know how long, but within the last decade, it's obviously not um, a very serious cup, but it has formalized now into all the big clubs coming and playing their summer friendlies over there. So, yeah, who wants that? I mean, <laughs> you know, and, but by the way, and, and then we'll get back to the football, just something that struck me um, with the U, the comparison between the U.S. men's and women's national team is that, you know, the early novel in the 19th century, a lot of women, big, you know, the great novelists in the beginning, not well, not in the beginning, but about, you know, in the 19th century were George Eliot, Jane Austen, Charlotte Bronte, and so on. And they found the novel to be a form of expression because it was a marginal form. Right. It wasn't supposed to be the serious form. And it, it was, you know, written by people who don't actually know the grammar and the rules of literature and so on so i'm just wondering whether that's true even over here that since it's actually a sport which has not gotten the same credibility that basketball and baseball and ice hockey have in this country and american football this was you know sort of a way in which young girls and so on started to play like you know it wasn't hegemonized by I don't know whether that's true, but it just struck me as, as, as no, possible. Yeah, it could be a point. And something which you may or may not know is um, in, about American sports. I mean, first of all, American soccer isn't institutionalized at the youth level in the way it is in Europe. I mean, typically right. a good player is still developed right. through pretty um, grassroots random until right. really it could just be until they reach college age, but you know, it might be a bit earlier that they of which the British players have been in have been like 10 years old. But the other thing is that in the sports calendar in the U.S., um, uh, soccer and American football um, conflict. So very early on, a kid has to choose between the two sports. And right. you know, typically, the better athlete is going to pick American football unless, it's, unless there's an alternative scram. So it's just even... Even as it becomes more and more mainstream, it's still like as an alternative. It's still very much as an alternative. It's hard to see why the best athlete would end up being a soccer player parents or, or something. But anyway, you know, it's another. Yeah, I mean, the, the US uh, at this point, um, I think it's a big accomplishment that they're even just a middle of the road team. But I think right. enough said about them. They're a middle of the road team played on the front foot against Wales, outplayed Wales, but also didn't generate any chances aside from the goal they scored. So you can't be too disappointed. Um, right. In one one in international, you have to, you have to, <laughs> um, you know, it was like, it, it was, uh, anyway, th there's a whole cultural um, interest in, in the U.S. in terms of the analysis that's happening at halftime, but I'll wait for Round to come and give his, uh, give his, <laughs> give his analysis another time. But the right. Senegal, um, the Senegal uh, Netherlands game was really um, 
was for me the the most compelling tactical uh, on the first day. I mean, but let me both. just ask you first: Did 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 Netherlands win that, or did Mendy lose that? You know, I mean, which uh, one? How would you describe? It? <laughs> yeah, man, it was uh, it was poor from it was poor from Mendy. You know, and you'd expect both both goals. I mean, I think both goals, not just the both goals. I mean, he. The thing is, is it, it was a really good showing from Senegal. Um, I thought they they're really missing Mane. They're really missing Mane because they're a really complete team, um, yeah. and they have um, they have these three um, holding midfielders, uh, particularly Ghana Gay, just all over the all over the field, and Kuyate and. Um, very difficult for the Dutch to, to do much um, to, to play through. I thought it was um, even with Senegal slightly edging it, but Senegal uh, missing that um, attacking edge to the play, which Mane, they just, in other words, they just seem like a really complete team with Mane, a team, not just a, um, a team that might do Africa proud, a team that could be a genuine contender for the tournament, um, given um, kind of how open things are at the moment. But uh Without Mane, they're going to struggle for goals, which they did. I mean, the interesting thing in the match for me was uh, seeing Frankie de Jong, and and he's such a. I was about to say that too. Yeah, Go he's on. such a he's such an enigmatic figure because there's some there's times when I'm watching him play because this is what we've been calling for, right? This is just him by himself picking up the ball from the defense, um, basically having to launch the attack by himself. Um, mm-hmm. and um, there's times during the match where I'm thinking, my God, this guy is the best player in the world. This guy is <laughs> turning on the ball and dribbling 50 yards. <laughs> and it's just... Uh, yeah, it's, Mark, it's, you, it's, Mark, you say that for too many players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, go on. It is, it is. It is a, it is a problem. Uh, it's a problem I run into very often. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> But yeah, yeah, but anyway, he's he's let's say he's an an elite, an elite holding oh, midfielder, a very top. That's basically the player the Barcelona thought they were signing is what you is what you, you you're seeing, and um, but there are other times when he 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 just he loses the ball and he looks very he looks very weak and he looks very timid and his 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 confidence is clearly not altogether there. So he made a couple of errors, um. So it's uh. It, it, there were times when I was thinking, "Ah, oh, this is when Javi. This is why Javi doesn't play him there because uh, he's right. an error-prone, error-prone, and very, very weak. Uh, it, like in the in the fifty-fifty challenges, like he didn't want any any part of it. Um, but there are other times when I'm thinking this guy is um, running, running, running the game, and he obviously got the assist um, in the crucial moment. And Depay, another person that I think I called the best player in the world, came on and. Uh, I think he was a little injured, which is why he didn't start. Otherwise, yeah. he's clearly better than the other options there. Yeah, 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 yeah. He came on instant impact um, in terms of moving the ball. But that, but that that match was. Um, I, I'm happy. For, I I would have been happy for for Senegal, but I'm, Dutch is also a team I I would like to see. Um, I'd like to see advance. But that was a a very um a very that that was the match that we. It, I mean, that was the match that we thought. And maybe perhaps even slightly worried we were going to be seeing in the World Cup when we were talking about the aesthetics um, being disappointing or the tactics being kind of cagey. But in most of the matches, it's been quite the opposite, and that's been the main takeaway for me 
I've seen, I think, about 80% of the matches so far. It's been pretty... Yeah. I mean, the Qatar match, as we talked about, was pretty disappointing. But aside from that, it's been really f- on the front foot. It's been teams really going for it, um, playing attacking stuff, scintillating stuff um, often. Um, yeah, it's but- definitely the most attack-oriented or attack-minded World Cup I've I mean, yeah. I mean, Russia was also to an extent, but not to this extent, where even the three nil-nils, which we can discuss in a second, um, they didn't seem like nil-nils, except for maybe the Morocco-Croatia match, where that was like a classic nil-nil where really nothing (laughs) happened. But the other two, they weren't really... I mean, okay, the score was nil-nil, but they weren't really those stalemate type of matches, which we are... Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, like, I was imagining between the politics and, you know, the defensive play that we expected. I was, expe- you know, I was preparing myself to be uh, quite cynical and quite jaded. And oh, why am I, like you're saying, why do I have to get up at this time and watch this? And this is. Well, <laughs> let, let me ask you the cynical question, though. Is it because, well, what do you think is behind? I mean, I don't know if you have an answer right now. It's still early days in the World Cup, but. Is it anything to do with defenses not being as mm. solid as they used to be? Or is it just that, you know, most coaches now just have the a more attack-minded um, orientation towards the game? Or what do you reckon? Or, I, I mean, no, it's a, I, I, think I it's, also remember it's too early to say, but what do you think? I mean, too early to say, but you, you make a fair point, which is that in club football, that defensive style is so out of vogue. Yeah. That it's hard to just. That's why I didn't. Uh, I don't understand why it's like we're saying why it's automatically the the kind of the common denominator to just park the bus in international football, because it's it's not what these players have been trained to do. So if you park the bus, I mean we saw it with Iran. I mean Iran was the team that probably looked the worst um, in terms of what their expectation was and their performance. And well, Mark, they, once Santos is fired from Portugal and Mourinho takes over next year, you know, we will be having a different conversation. Anyway, go on. Sorry. No, no, no fine. But, you know, Iran, Iran really, they sat back very far. And instead of um, causing problems for an England team, which is very talented um, and, and um, has a bit of experience now in the tournament, you still think that there's some question marks in the psyches of those players. Um, but instead of them being posed any questions by Iran's defense, they were just like, oh, we can just dominate this team. And they were just getting all their touches in and getting their confidence up. I mean, it was very clear early on the match that Iran's defensive setup wasn't going to do anything to them. So I think there's something, I mean, for example, in the Germany match, like, I just I just finished watching it. Um, yeah, by the way, I'm watching it on Telemundo. It's pretty fantastic. Um, Peacock has all the yeah. replays really available, which is also a really wonderful thing. Uh, really, wow, to have all of the matches just instantly available, and the the this, the 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 Mexican commentator is just very vivacious, very full of life. It's very funny. Um, right. And uh, anyway. Um, Germany's up 1-0. They're on the front foot. They're completely outplaying Japan, who looks horrible because they're sitting back. I think at, at the time when Germany gets a, the first goal, they had eight, something like 82% of the possession. 
Yeah, but then it was something like 75 or something, so it wasn't, yeah, so didn't change very much. No? Germany, you know, dominating, but then after they score, they sit back and allow, Germ allow Japan to come onto them and just give up, you know, two somewhat fluky goals. Nice goals, but somewhat fluky. Somewhat fluky, yeah, that's a nice way to describe it. And, and, yeah, I, I think... I, I, I think even listening to you say that, I think you've made actually the key point, which is that it's that the defenses aren't really um, conditioned to defend, to, to get in, to grind out, a, you know, yeah. a, a cheat the same way. So it just doesn't, it just looked off. Like it just looked off in last world cup. It was a very defensive setup. I mean, last Euros, it was a very defensive setup we're seeing from all these teams, but without merit, without success, it wasn't like they were achieving, right. um, the clean sheet so i think there's been a shift for the better also you can't rule out the fact that it doesn't it doesn't um explain why there's been a more attacking emphasis but it has to explain the goal tally slightly because the the i mean the 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 stoppage time emphasis has been very bizarre i don't know if you've noticed that but they're oh no the um well colina pierluzzi um that ball yeah. he, he directs uh, <laughs> So he has said that this time they've decided to um, count every stoppage. I mean, usually it's a larger, you know, it's by, which is why it amounts to four or five minutes. But this time they're actually counting every second that is reduced from the game when there are substitutions, celebrations, um, and and you know if there are injuries, and they're they're doing a much more literal count. Which is why it goes into eight minutes to twelve. You know, it is, and I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but um, probably not in a lot of ways. But um, that, so that's odd... that's the official explanation which he's given, I... and he's the director. I didn't realize he was the director. That's he does have very piercing eyes. Very... <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't mess with him, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah. So tell me, what do you think of the Argentina match? Well. Actually, the thing is, I mean, it's, it's probably now that you're talking about the defensive structure and how teams aren't following that and or whatever, maybe coaches aren't and, and there seems to be a slight shift in at least the first three days. The thing is, you know, with Argentina, and obviously a shocking result and so on, but what I noticed early on, and this is in the first half when they had led and then things, a lot of offside goals. One right. thing is they weren't really playing the game that they have played in the last three years. Now, I know Rehan said in the last episode is that I, I said, you know, most these international teams are quite boring, Argentina included. I mean, they play a very cagey match, and that's what's worked for them in the last three years. They weren't doing that. It wasn't ex It wasn't like they were trying some expansive football. But they were, you know, the, the long balls, they, they weren't as, they didn't look as solid in the back even before, even though Saudi Arabia don't have the players to actually probably probably very often and in the first half it was rarely the case but this is not the Argentina we've seen in the last three years which has actually yielded a lot of success now whether that looks good or not that's not the point but the I mean that is the point sometimes but <laughs> um 
So what I noticed about them, and this is, by the way, before things sort of really took a strange turn. And that's what worries me a little bit about the matches going ahead. I mean, Germany, at least, they didn't look bad. They had a lot of chances. And another day, if they had slightly better finishers, which is what's been troubling them for the last three years, they would have had this game settled pretty early on. They didn't. And then, you know, once you just score a goal and and, and you don't have... Um, you're always open to something like this happening, right? Argentina, what was a little like a little scary, I mean, I mean, a, a worry-inducing is early on, there's no midfield. It's almost like there are four or five players waiting for the ball ahead. And then after about 15 or 20 minutes, Messi started to come back. There's the two defenders and maybe the four defenders, the two of them, and then DePaul ahead of it ahead of them trying to give long balls and somehow those guys aren't holding their runs well enough. Once they conceded those two goals, the problem is, and this is the last time I remember this happening in any game, is Sampaoli in 2018, Argentina versus Croatia, they're losing 2-0 and yeah. suddenly realizes, oh, good, what the hell am I going to do? So he puts on Dybala and a couple of other strikers and what you have is a four. They're effectively playing some five-one-four or something like that. Not this time. I mean, that's what San Paolo and, and they and they got cream. They didn't. They they didn't. Not only did they not create any chances, Croatia scored again and it was three 0 That's my worry. Like Scaloni, I don't know if he's actually been tested. And I mean, obviously, in thirty-seven matches, you thirty-six matches, thirty-seven. Well, this thirty-seventh he lost, but. You expect that there have been various formats and various situations he's been part of in which this doesn't arise. My worry is that really showed bad coaching, bad managerial abilities when you've gotten your you, you, your midfield suddenly gone. Even before, okay, they had a couple, they had two or three offside decisions which um, were close. But I would think he'd have, since they weren't able to break them down, since they weren't able to beat the offside trap, I would have imagined even before, even though they scored relatively early in the second half, he would have had the presence of mind to take off one of the, I don't know what Papu Gomez was doing, put on Alvarez and say, okay, fine, this is their tactic, a high line. We've almost beat it on three occasions in the first half. We just need to be a little more steady about this and we will beat it. Yeah. Get on Alvarez, get on Lataro, get Messi to drop a little deeper, which he anyway does, but, you know, tell him that, that that's the tactic. Like, and some so, runners. Sorry? Yeah, just get some runners. Exactly, get some runners. And then those two are good enough. I mean, Lataro is a good finisher. Alvarez is is, is not bad. I mean, he's, he's young and he might be a very good finisher, just that we haven't seen him enough. And finish this, right? Now, that didn't happen. The second thing is they look really shaky defensively. And then, you know, the only thing I can see, this is before the 56 minutes. Once they've conceded twice, then it's a different set of problems which emerge. Like they haven't been in a situation. They were suddenly shell-shocked and they were depending completely on Di Maria to do everything. Right. Um, which was, well, I mean, he tried what he could, but, you know, at this age, he can do only so many. They never had a single... I don't think there was a single move which came from the left. It was all from the right. Di Maria, sometimes Messi, but that was it. There was nothing coming from Papu Gomez um, at all. 
And they even had to replace their left back, right? Taglifico, I think, had to come out and someone else came in. It was a very bad match by Romero. Very shaky, um, lacking confidence, which is why I think when Martinez came in, they looked more commanding, um, even though they'd already given away two goals then. But they just looked shell-shocked after that. But before that, I my worry is for the next match against Mexico and then Poland after that, is that... I really hope this guy has, you know, some managerial ability. I don't know if he's been, I know 37 matches in three years, you've been tested enough. But I wonder if you really have been, because what I saw there was just, it's, it's you know, Germany, the thing is why they might be dumped out of the World Cup is they have to play Spain, who look right. who are looking pretty good, and maybe they've shot themselves in the foot by losing. But it's a freakish sort of thing. Argentina, my worry is, I mean, I saw something that I haven't seen in four years. And again, it seemed like they have had a good series of results over the last three years. It's come full cycle back to Messi dependence. Yeah, right? That's absolutely. exactly what was their progress over the last three years is that they've not depended on Messi. He's just a very good player that they have when they give the ball to him, when it's organic to give the ball to him. Not that you're looking for him all the time. And that was worrying. So, you know, the Germany result is, okay, it just happened. This was a worrying result for the way they played, not, n- not for the result itself. Because, you know, otherwise, if it were any other time and, and then I didn't see what I saw, I would say they should still get past Mexico and Poland. Right now, I'm not sure whether they're, what, what they showed then was, was you know, good enough. Anyway, that's a long spiel. What, what were your thoughts? My thoughts... I mean, okay. Messi come hit the issue. One issue for me with with the team is that Messi has to come too deep to receive the ball, which is fine. Obviously, Messi should be able to go wherever he wants. The thing is, when he loses the ball, which is how Saudi scored their first goal, they don't have the defense to to handle it. So Messi comes short for the ball loses it pretty pretty cheaply to to be fair yeah. and they're just in on goal the thing with the the thing with the saudis you have to give it to them is two class goals like yeah. really Very really cool. class second goal in particular was what, one of i mean i, I started screaming <laughs> I, I i could not believe what i what i witnessed also the uh, second goal I, I mean i don't know if you remember but he 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 struck it in the corner from the right from the left, but just before that, like three seconds in the same move, the other shot which was blocked that would have gone into the goal as well. You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you remember recall were, that. Of course, I know what you're talking about. I mean, they were there was something there was something um, very energetic about the way that Saudi Arabia came out in the second half, which was really surprising because. Like you're saying, there were these tactical sort of deficiencies in the team. How are you? How how can how, how can your team be have two wingers of who are Papo Gomez and Di Maria? I'm as fast as both of those people at this point, and 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 you have three, you know, central midfielders, yeah. and Messi. There's no pace in the team. There's absolutely no pace in the team which um, is why mark so, if you have a team which is playing a high line you bring on your faster players right I, like what the hell was that about i don't know it's it's an odd papu gomez is i mean 
it is a it's a weird structure to the team because essentially Di Maria is I, I love Di Maria. I can't really explain why. I mean he's someone an, another person who I've called like the best player in the world in my random yeah, hysteric. Very, very good. Yeah. And I think if, if Argentina still win it, this World Cup, he would have had a big role to play even now. But you know. Yeah, so is this player, you can't say anything about him even at this age because he has the capacity to, on his day, be as good as anyone. But when it's not his day, yeah. it's like, what is this guy doing? Is he, he looks like he's almost sickly how skinny he is. I mean, it looks like he wants nothing to do with it. Sometimes when the defender's pressing him, he just, outside of the left foot, back pass to whoever... Um, so it's it's an odd, anyway, it's an odd setup. Like you're saying, um, no pace, no pace in the team. The defense. I mean, Ram was really getting on me about um for for having a shot at Oda Mendy. He's saying I've been watching Benfica and there, you know, he's having a great season and all this. But uh, which very well might be the case. But um, yeah, but there actually, I thought Ram's right. I didn't think he was. I I disagreed with him in the sense of whether Argentina have played good football to watch. But I think he's right about Otamendi is that he was the one who was actually solid. It's the other guy, Romero, who was just oh. coming back from injury. And you could see in both goals, especially the first one, it's just a lack of confidence. You know, that that shouldn't have gone. He, the guy shouldn't have yeah. gotten the shot in. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. been just smothered over there and it would have been. But somehow he hesitated and it was a good shot, very good shot, um, almost to the corner. And But... That was odd for a defender as good as Romero to have allowed the person to go past him, especially when he had a pretty simple chance to just intercept earlier. Um, that just showed maybe he's not fully fit or whatever. Um, I don't know what the case was. Another thing that struck me in the game is these offside decisions are so... It's still... I, I don't know if I'm just antiquated or what, but it's still very odd for me to see these laser technology telling me that his armpit was a hair in front of his armpit. I, mean, I was watching a classic from 2012. I think I was telling you guys last time. And, but I, I just remember, you know, um, the goal, one of the, the goals, you know, it was, it looked like the player was maybe like marginally offside when he scored. And the commentator was like, no, no, like it's, you know, it's close enough. Like the tie has to go with the striker. And, you know, of course, like good goal, good goal. And there was no, no one in the team, no one in the defense was complaining. It was just, but this new thing where it's, it's, I remember Arsene Wenger wanted to, um, when he was getting involved with FIFA, wanted to change the offsides rule to give much more leniency um, to, to the attacker, um, where it's like maybe if he's even within a step, um, they let it run because it's too, it's too much. It, it's too, the, the, the computers for me are getting involved too, too much. Um, uh, that well, I really sounded like a like a grandparent there. That was the computer. Yeah, but I see what you mean because the the Lataro goal, which was disallowed, that was because his arm was ahead. Yeah, I don't understand that. I really I, think. I mean, I I think. I mean, see, obviously the computer is accurate, but maybe they should just make the rule as where's the foot? All right. Yeah, if, you're, if you're leaning in front, it's fine. Your foot shouldn't be ahead. That's all. I agree. I think it should be feet, but um. That, that that was odd, and and a couple penalties, very very soft penalties have been awarded by VAR. I mean, I'm watching, um, you know, I'm, I'm even Messi's penalty was really soft, very weak. I mean, yeah. that was that was, that was shocking. Really, yeah. uh, the you know, I was waking up my family during the Poland Mexico game because I was I was rooting for Mexico, and the the penalty awarded to Poland I thought was just very very weak, and the fact but that the, didn't you think that he had sort of grabbed. 
Lewandowski's um, shirt and was that, sort of restricting him from moving. I thought that was a little better than I Messi's. One. Didn't because I mean, granted, as I'm telling you, I'm watching it on Telemundo, so I might have been influenced by the commentators. <laughs> going, no, 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 no! <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all claims to objectivity are completely gone. It's same with the American broadcast, by the way. That's something that struck me. It's just there's no, which is fine. It doesn't have to be objective. It's just that they're pretending as if they're being objective. They are yeah. just. So pro US bias, like even the penalty where the in the US player just completely like shatters the guy through the back of the leg. But that was like, a clear penalty. <laughs> but the whole time the, the refereeing is I don't think the refereeing's been particularly fair in this match. I'm just like, man, would you commentate on the match? Like what what, what is happening? But I thought it was a I, I I when you slow something down, it's true you can see that a, a jersey is being pulled, but Lewandowski is pushing him as well. And I didn't. I didn't think it was a penalty. Anyway, okay. it didn't matter because Lewandowski couldn't couldn't convert it. I'm right. watching. You know, I'm only 15 minutes into this uh, um, Belgium Canada match, but I see Davies has already flubbed his kick. But that kick as well. I mean, it's a it's a you know the guy is two yards away um, from Carrasco, fires it into his hand. It's two yards away. I mean, where is the? I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying I have a better rule proposal, but I'm. It's the type of thing where ten years ago I don't even think anyone would have been appealing for a handball. I mean, what is the guy supposed to do? It's not like he. So th- this it's just odd the, the emphasis. Um, right. I think VAR has introduced a lot more emphasis on um, on on the referee on on all these odd decisions coming in. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I, I I do worry for Argentina. I think that's obviously playing Saudi Arabia and losing is the worst possible. Um, beginning to especially losing in a match that that you're winning, I don't understand. The I mean, it's fun. The thing is, I'm getting caught up in the, in the nationalism and the fervor a bit more than I than I expected to. I mean, the the, the stadium was rocking, man. The stadium, yeah, was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> they, when Saudi scored their second goal, they cut to like two men that seemed two old men started holding hands and doing some k- kind of synchronized dance that I'd never seen before. It's like, it's like what what is happening? <laughs> You know, um, after the first uh, couple of, um, yeah, after watching both Qatar and Iran, I was texting my friends how Asian teams have regressed and then Japan win today and then obviously Saudi win. And Saudi, I have to, I mean, we haven't talked about their performance, but for the players they have and they don't really have any stars or what was... It was an organized, very good right. goals, like you said, but also organized. I mean, I don't think Argentina should have lost still. They should have won quite comfortably. And I guess there's some pressure that one of the things that I think got to them is maybe being the having the tags of one of having the tag of being one of the favorites, I think got to them. They'd stuck to their game, which is that they're not expecting to win anything which is what's actually worked for them. I mean, I saw them, I've seen them over the last three years fairly carefully. And what's worked for them is against the lousiest team, they don't think of themselves as favorites. They're a cagey, yeah, old school Argentine team, which are hacking into everyone, but defending with all their might. And they're hoping Lataro and Messi do something in front, which usually works once or twice a match. Unfortunately, the last three or four friendlies they've had, including the finalissima against Italy. They won all those without conceding a single goal and scoring. They scored five against Estonia, three against Italy, three against one of, mm. uh, like, uh, I don't know, very weak teams. But 
suddenly they thought i think the mindset is okay we're suddenly arrived at a certain moment and you know we are, we are you know whatever we have a certain flair and then we are favorites i just hope this 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 match can actually galvanize them and make them go back to the basics only thing is i don't know if those things happen in 3 days like if it was a you know a couple of weeks later i i, I think that would have happened but in the and then the other thing is when you lose a group match you have to actually see they may still qualify if they get four points they may i don't think they'll qualify if they get only three points but i i can't imagine saudi actually winning against poland and mexico as well but the thing is they'll probably need to win the next two matches and when you have to win a group match that sort of you know it, it changes the equation a little bit when you come to the knockout stages you can afford to you know it's a longer match and the result will come eventually with the penalties and so on so you can be your kg self in a group match where you have to win it can become difficult although like everyone's reminded us um, that in against cameroon in 90 and they did lose their opening match and spain lost their opening match in 2010 so maybe but i, I don't know i mean they, their performance does worry me a lot and and then let's see what happens on saturday um would you make france the thing is with france i mean they do have a problem that they don't have a midfield right now they it's yeah. it's a genuine issue Yeah. against australia the thing is you have players like dembele and mbappe i think the two best wingers at, well they're not really wingers but those two you know not how do you like the two players who are not the strikers right those are the ones who are playing slightly off the striker on both sides they're the best combination yeah. so it did sort of work it did it, it didn't really pose any problems against australia even though they had conceded and when you concede first i mean it, it 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 could could sort of become a problem but against stronger opposition um i i would like to see what happens against denmark and tunisia denmark well, and tunisia by the way i mean we haven't said much about it, but that i thought was a really good nil nil i mean both teams looked really good i mean they didn't score but they looked very good and i i it'd be interesting to see what happens when they play france what did you think i mean because france are the defending champions and mm. was their performance i mean the fact that kanté and even the, he didn't even start with kamavinga so what, what do you think was it's, it's like it's like you're saying it's hard to say right. it's hard to say except coming off of talking about argentina you know i mean australia you wouldn't you wouldn't fancy as much weaker than Saudi Arabia um yeah. you probably say the opposite and um they disposed of them you know so it, Mbappe was having a blast man i mean Mbappe really um i don't say he rubs me the wrong way so that's putting it too too strong he missed but, he missed a couple of pretty simple chances too he missed a couple of simple chances but what i i don't know if this predated his his um his partnership with Neymar or what but he really he's become a showman in a way that really bothers me um yeah. like he he's in a way that you know as soon as he gets his goal and the ball's out wide to him and, and Australia's really reeling he immediately goes for the nutmeg on this Australian player it's like in a way that was disrespect it wasn't like oh the, the, his leg just happened to be open he completely slowed the play down sized him up tries to put it between his legs he's 
you know, he's doing flicks and kind of looking to the crowd. He's missing his chance and he's like laughing. There's something very. I agree. Yeah. There, there's there's something. Hum- no humility at all. Yeah. There's no humility, but there's not. I don't mind lack of humility when it's just like a Ronaldinho type of just. It just is what it is. It's his personality and he's just out there enjoying. There's, there's something. Um, there's like. It's a bit of an edge. But that's just a personal matter in terms of the the play. Uh, it's it's interesting. I was I, I was thinking because I was watching with uh, the under twenty three World Cups um, last. I think it was last summer, I guess. And uh, it was it was Upamakamo and uh, and Konate in uh in, in, in as France's central backs in, in that tournament. I was thinking. Geez, these guys could and <laughs> these guys could easily be the center backs for the French national team. They're that good. I mean, they're absolutely dominating the players they're playing against. It was like men versus boys, and and here they are. You know, it's disappointing for Saliba not to get in there, but um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a team. It's hard to find a it's hard to find a weakness in in the team, except for probably like you're saying the the you know Rabio probably. Um, so uh, Giroud looked really good. Shiro <laughs> looked really good, and you have Dembele and Mbappe just absolutely, um, kind of. Their defenses are strong. I mean, they they're not playing Varane, Kunde, Fofana, and Saliba. I mean, that's that's obviously means you have a lot of riches. Um, but I yeah. think midfield is the one that, because you know, I mean, in in any team, not just in the international but club level too, it's the midfield which dictates so much of this, which is why. I think on Sunday when they play, um, I think they play Denmark. Yeah, they play Denmark on Sunday. That that'd be interesting, especially since Denmark beat them just a month back or two months. But yeah, I don't know. It's just it, it's a it's Dembele and and uh, and Mbappe are beat beat their defenders with such ease. I mean, with such ease, it's something that even a team like England. We've mentioned Argentina. If Argentina had someone like this, just on the wing, just right. just creating some space naturally, just giving just the team younger up. Di Maria, maybe five ten. Just years. A younger, yeah, just, yeah. They haven't they haven't bred. They haven't uh, yeah. They haven't they haven't developed a team around around Messi. All Messi just needs is some speed around him and some runners. Um, right. But yeah, the tournament has been it's been it's been fantastic. I have to say, like I was really expecting. Um. To be disappointed and to be groggy and to why am I discombobulating myself? I'm ignoring my family, my partner, my <laughs> why for what? <laughs> but now I mean, it's it's been pretty great, man. And um, I don't know, is there is when you're out there in California, are people talking about it? And uh, you know, is it well in the sense that I mean, the friends I I mean, the couple of friends I have who also watch it as passionately as you and Rayan and um I do, and then I'm in conversation with my friends back home, who also watch most of the games. Um, uh, so yeah, it does seem like one is in a community yeah. of watchers. I mean, even even though um in California, obviously it's 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 not the most. Um, it's not that you know. I mean, there are, a lot, there are a lot of people who are not watching in India. You'd never have that. Everyone's watching it, so it, it's it's still not like that. But yeah, it doesn't feel isolated so far. But one of my great hopes was this is the last Messi Ronaldo World Cup, and you know, going home to watch it with the people I've you know watched football with for the last twenty years, and you know, suddenly Argentina's not 
good chance Argentina's not going to be you know, there in the next week. So let's see. One question that I had, and, and, and you know, obviously there are so many more matches, but maybe this, this should actually happen before we talk about them. But um, Ronaldo is, <laughs> has been a, whatever, um, a, a divorce, not on the best terms, but mutually agreed upon. Do you think that plays any role in, in how the national team, does that have any effect? I mean, they, they, they have a stern test tomorrow against Ghana. Uh, do you reckon that that would play any part? Considering two things. A, how he makes everything about himself. Right. B, he's not played for a while, right? I mean, he's not really a match fit. I mean, he's a fit person, but he's not match fit in a certain way. C, he can't be dropped. All right. these factors coming together. Do you think this is going to derail? I mean, we'll know soon enough in about 14 hours, we will actually have a sense of how they began. But do you see that affecting anything? I played in my, when I was younger, I played with people that had absolute massive egos that were the best people on the team. And playing with them, it was a blessing and a curse. It was the blessing when things were going well. And it was a curse when things were going poorly. Because when things are going well, you're just like, well, fuck it. I mean, I don't want to really hang out with this person afterwards, but <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's working. Just give them the ball. And, and, and so it, with Ronaldo and really with that team at large, it's a very confidence. Uh, it's a really confidence team. And Bruno Fernandes is another player. I mean, he doesn't want to really, I mean, it's clearly better for him without Ronaldo and United set up, but he's another player where it's yeah. almost like, is this the same person that I saw last week? I thought this guy was world-class. Now he looks completely anonymous, not up for it. They just strike me as a team that are very um, uh, dependent on the mood uh, when they're yeah, on no, their game. No, you're absolutely right. And dependent on the mood and Ronaldo is a mood you know, he either, either surges it or he kills it. Like it's it's not like he's a neutral guy who's not having a good day. Other people will. That's my. Words, yeah, you could be saying you could be. It could be they play. Someone slots the ball across. He taps it in, scores. You know, his tap in, and they okay. We're gonna win this tournament. We're gonna win Ronaldo the World Cup, and this is it. You know, this is he's, he's still here. Or they can go down one nil, and Ronaldo starts screaming at everyone, and and right. the team, you know, devolve into itself. That's one thing you have to say for for Argentina is that you know that some I don't picture that happening. I don't picture like a a complete um, dissolving um, happening right. of the team. But I, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Our both of our picks to win it have uh, have lost already. So <laughs> well, to be fair, my my pick was the semifinal between Argentina and Brazil. What happens there? So I hedge my bets. You know? <laughs> You'll look really. Brazil lose, so it'll be, it'll be a... yeah. Tomorrow Brazil lose, you know that'd be something. But that you know just uh, it can't happen. They they are they have it sorted out. I mean these two, Argentina. I'm surprised by Germany. You know it was a freak result, but seems like the rest of the teams did sort of. There weren't as many. Well, like I guess in three days you have two massive surprises. You can't really say there were no surprises, but um, I, I still expect. Brazil to do it pretty easily, like to begin the World Cup like they usually begin. And 
I'm really hoping Ghana, you know, whether they win or lose, let Portugal earn the victory. And what always happens is some stupid foul or some handball and you have that trick, you know, scoring a <laughs> penalty and his horrible ceremony. And let, let me not see that in the morning. You know, I've had a, <laughs> I had a shitty enough look. <laughs> night no, waking couple. up waking up for that is not um that's not what you need to wake up for <laughs> well um all right well we will talk about the um the next set of series of games um when we convene next and thank you all for listening till next time <laughs>